and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And we still come to you from confines. Right, and we probably will be this way for quite a while. Seems like at least the next month, maybe longer. We're recording on March 30th. Uh, this will come out the beginning of April. Okay. But it looks like... My understanding is the quarantine conditions will go on until the end of April, right? That's what... Trump says, Gavin Newsom says, possibly through May. Okay. So So we might miss both of our birthdays. I'm definitely missing right. my birthday. My 40th birthday is... Congratulations. ...in six days from the date of recording. It's in the past for when this has aired, and, uh, and I will have spent it in the house. <laughs> so. And more likely than not, I will spend my 51st birthday in the house as yes. well. Yes, so your birthday is on May 1st, mine is on right. April 4th, so... Yay! Happy birthday to us. Maybe we'll have a half a year, a very merry unbirthday in the in the end of the year when we can go outside again. Right. No, that would be good. <laughs> tiki drinks. I am on board for tiki if drinks. If any of the places that I used to go to will still be open. Yeah, I, well, that's, yes. Right. We hope that our businesses that we care about. Especially the tiki-oriented businesses. <laughs> you... I might have to get you, oh. We want rum forward businesses. <laughs> rum forward businesses <laughs> right. to survive. Uh, have you seen the tiki glasses that are the Golden Girls? No, I haven't. Oh, well, I will show those to you okay. later. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Should I ask you how your week was? <laughs> I could ask you the same question. It's probably the exact same week. The highlight of, of my week, at least out was waiting for, what, half an hour, 45 minutes? Close to an hour. Close to an hour in line to go to Trader Joe's. Yep. Get groceries yesterday. We got some good, good mozzarella. Yes, we did. And a ham. I made an Easter ham two weeks early. I forgot that that was a thing. <laughs> well, and it was wonderful. I'm not sure what we'll do for Easter. We will have a special episode of Without Works for Easter. I think. There you go. In the meantime, what we did do was we watched Carrie, the telefilm... From 2002. That's interesting. Starring Angela Bettis. Now, we spoke a little about Angela Bettis last time, but I, who knows how much of that I cut out because I haven't done it yet. So let's talk about Angela Bettis. Who is Angela Bettis? Angela Bettis is an American film and stage actor. That's, oh, jeez. exciting Wikipedia. Some podcasts get away with that. Um, and she is really memorable to me. I thought she would be great for this role because she did a film called May. May is a movie I've never finished. So It's not the movie's fault. I get too skeeved out and I cannot finish it. So what is it about the film that... that uh, it makes me uncomfortable. I don't know. I haven't seen it in years. It's been so it's, years. It's won the Cadillac International Film Festival. She has for Best Actress. Um, the what? The F Catalan International... Catalan, mm -hmm. Okay. She won the Fangoria Chainsaw Award for Best Actress. Sounds right. She wore, won the... Uh, and this was all for May. This Malaga, was not for this one. Right. Okay. International Week of Fantastic Cinema for Best Actress. Okay. And she was nominated Online Film Critics Society Award for Best Actress. And what year May. did May come out? 2002. What? It came out the same year as this one? Yes. That's weird. There was a theme going for her work. Um, she played in that film uh, a, um, a seamstress who doesn't seem to understand social interaction very well. And she's, she makes a friend. She makes a friend. <laughs> she and literally makes a friend. <laughs> the, her performance was amazing because she goes from a person who is so estranged from other people that she doesn't know how to relate to a person who then is very focused on knowing exactly what to do to make a friend. And which is very gruesome by other people's standards. You chop up other people and you make a friend out of them. Right. Taking the best qualities of all of them. She goes full Frankenstein, but she doesn't even want to, like, enliven them. She just wants to build them. Right. So... She was also a Southerner. She was born in Austin, Texas. She was born in Texas, yeah. So, like Sissy Spacek, I think that she was a really very good choice. She's done other films and things, but that's the one that everyone remembers her for because it was such an outstandingly weird Yeah, and she performance. was in Girl Interrupted as right. well, um, and she was very good in that. Everybody who was in that movie was very good, though. So I'm not speaking out of turn. So we all know this story because we've seen the story. We watched, this is the very first movie that we watched in this 
season. Right. Uh, the 1976 is basic Brian De Palma horror classic. Now, this one was directed by slightly lesser known David Carson, okay. but it was written by Brian Fuller. And Brian Fuller, as I also said last time, but who knows, like I said, what I cut, uh, wrote and I think directed much of the Hannibal television okay. series, uh, along with a lot of other things that I have enjoyed very much. I think that Brian Fuller is very talented. And when I rewrote or rewatched, I rewatched this today, uh-huh. and I had the move, the book open on my computer to see if some of the lines that were particularly striking in the movie were pulled from the book. Uh-huh. And a lot of times with Stephen King works, that is the case. If right. there's a particularly memorable line, it was often pulled directly from the book. But in this case, both of the ones that I looked up were not pulled from the book. So, we'll get to what those were when we get to them. I can only remember one of them now, so I'm going to try and remember what the other one was. Uh, But, yes, so Carrie is an epistolary novel. Uh And they move back towards those roots with this version of it. So it's... It's uh, the construct is that this is uh, it's told in flashback from an investigation. Yes, rather than you know newspaper clippings and things like that, right. it is a it is broadly bracketed by this frame narrative of David Keith uh-huh. interviewing the survivors. Um, we do find out towards the end that two hundred and thirty four people died Oof. on prom night, which is a lot. I mucho people. That's a lot. Of, that's a lot of people. Uh, and different people died in this than died in the original, I believe. Um, and there were di- yes, yes, there were different survivors. Different survivors, yeah. different. So um, we'll go through the plot, but we're going to be pretty broad plot wise because we've done this. We've done it, right? Yeah. The story starts. The first thing we see is um, the birth of Carrie, and then we see. Then we go to the police station. So there's like a like an extra big frame narrative. Right. Uh, well, the first thing we see is meteors falling from the sky, but then that comes back later. Like it's it's a little disjointed in the timing of certain it's very pieces of information. But very they, it's like they were like, hey, you know what Brian, Brian De Palma left out and I want to put in right. the meteors from the sky and the knife at the beginning. Which he, is crazy because we just finished Rose Red and mm-hmm. that one ended mm-hmm. with rocks falling from the sky. Well, and it begins. started that way too. Right, it begins with rocks from the sky. So rocks from the sky is a theme now. Yes, that's a big Stephen King theme. His um, unhinged telekinetic young ladies can all make meteors come out of the sky. Ah. Talented. Uh, although these very clearly look like they're coming from space, and the ones in Rose Red appear just to be rocks. earthbound. Yes. So David Keith playing Detective Mulcahy. He is interviewing witnesses of the infamous Black Prom, quote unquote, <laughs> and um, trying to figure out where Carrie White is because they have seven bodies and eight missing people, and one of those missing people is Carrie White. So. Where's Carrie White? Sue Snell won't tell you. She'll never tell. (laughs) Uh, There's a very weird, and I don't remember this from when we were watching it, so it might have been cut out of the version that we saw. Uh Right at the beginning, David Keith is like offering donuts to Sue, who's played by a woman named Candace. I've forgotten. Candace McClure. You and get we'll, lost in Candace, and then you can't it's, even it's get the spelling of Candace that's killing yes. you. Um, and we're going to see her again. Who's an African-American girl. Right. She's going to be in another remake of Children of the Corn. Oh, interesting. That's weird. Okay. Uh, so she plays Seuss now, and uh-huh. she, you know, he offers her donuts, and he's like, these plain glazed donuts are like heroin. And then he goes, have you ever done heroin? She's like, No. And at which point she stops taking a donut. She, like, puts the donut to the side. And then he's like, what about cocaine or X or weed or an occasional joint? And she's like, no. And I'm just like, 
I don't remember this weird conversation from the first time we saw it. Do you remember that? I do remember okay, that so because it, it was just, it, it was odd enough to remember yeah. as if he's trying to see if he can uh, stagger for something. Yeah. Well, well, I have you here. Let's yes. see what other crimes yes. I can get you for. <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, mm, I don't, know. don't answer her his question. Uh, so we start a week before prom. Carrie is a lonely teenager. She's in love with Tommy. She draws pictures of him in her notebook. She's not allowed to stick around. I guess that's supposed to be sex education. No, 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 no. It wasn't sex education. It was... Oh, wait. There was sex education in the beginning, but it was a biology class. Because later she's dismissed when they start discussing evolution. Oh, was it evolution? It was yeah. right at the very, the fir- very, almost the very first yeah, thing. Yeah, he starts with with a really strange kind of... He's um, going to... Yeah, yeah, she is dismissed from her science class. Right. And I'm just like... That's wild. And this is when we sort of see the layout of the land. And uh-huh. the popular girls, we've got Chris Harkinson, who is the villain, basically, played by Emily DeRaven, who you may know from Lost and being Australian. So her accent sometimes it's just comes through with this. Really good. <laughs> she, it's fine. They don't have her say a whole lot. So... Uh, and then the Tina is another uh, villainous female, right. played by the woman who plays Ginger Snaps, Catherine Isabel. Yes, who is a very striking and strange-looking. She is very creature. distinctive looking. Yes. I think she's beautiful, but oh, she's I think she's beautiful extraordinarily too. Extraordinarily distinctive. Very, like there's some very odd pre-Raphaelite pinup girl thing that she has yeah. going. That <laughs> is, I don't think I've I've seen anybody else pull this one off for a long time because it's alternately. Very classical, and then very strangely, like she's dressed like a Barbie doll, which yeah. is kind of her character in this. Yes, film. yeah, she's she's a who's also in. Um, she played a significant part in Hannibal. Yes, I believe so. Yes, yeah. yes, she did. Uh, so I guess maybe Brian Fuller really likes her. Yeah, can't say that I blame her. Him, him. Uh, she's very good in all of the things. She's so. The bullies in this have the same problem as I have with all of the bullies in all of the Stephen King stories, which uh, is, why you got to be such a dick? Yeah, I think that uh, we discussed that. There's been the rare occasion when I've actually thought the the villain had the right amount of motivation, but generally they're just sort of right. jerks. And like, I understand a lot of them are be clearly being right. abused from yeah. above, and then they're taking that out on somebody. I, Chris is a sociopath. Maybe a psychopath. For no apparent reason. She's rich. Her dad gets her out of everything. I mean, that doesn't help, obviously, but it's not a cause. I think her boyfriend's more of a psychopath, actually. I think that Maybe, but she's here's my an problem. enabler. She's pushing him into things. She well she's pushing him into things. Right, but I mean the actual physical violence of the thing well, that Well, yeah, but I don't I don't psychopath doesn't mean only violence. Uh-huh. She my issue with her is she is she treats this this other girl terribly and then does not see her own behavior as problematic it's all it's carrie asked for it this is all carrie's fault it's carrie's fault it's carrie's fault it's carrie's fault it's carrie Carrie didn't do any all carrie did was get her period well i think in (laughs) some respects though that's realistic in that a person like that really doesn't ever see what they do wrong. It's somebody else right, that's Right, because she's it. a psychopath. Because she cannot see other people as people. But, like, the fact that there's, like, weird, no motivation for her. Like, uh-huh. it's just like, uh, this obnoxious bitch. I know she's going to die. <laughs> like, I know she's going to die. She dies, y'all. So you think that's, she dies. That's, um, it's just it's this it's, it's this bad writing, one note character okay. that Stephen King puts in the the bullies right. are these one note bullies, and I understand they're not the main character, so you don't give them a lot of backstory. But your books are a thousand pages long, so maybe give them a little bit of backstory. Well, so maybe that's uh, maybe he was bullied a great deal. That would explain why they keep showing up. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. But uh, so Carrie. Uh, gets her period after in the shower after Jim, just like uh-huh. they were playing softball in this version. Uh, also, it's updated. It's, it's right. supposed to take place. It's in updated, 2002. but I'm not sure that that works really well for it. What do you mean? 
Well, I think that there are times when it, uh, I feel like there could be, it, it's kind of stuck between periods. There's things that would have been changed or would have changed had they actually fully updated it. There's sort of actions that take place that seem a little off. Like what? Well, the gym teacher still physically abuses these girls. So the gym teacher pushes one of the girls into a locker. And then the other one just almost literally sticks her finger up the girl's nose uh, at one point when she's pointing in her face, and she actually really nails her, her nose. And so I think that there would be a bigger stink about that now. In small towns, it's probably unlikely. I, yeah. And we'll get to the... Right. Because the, there is a legal back and forth. And it's possible it was more permissive in the 70s, but... It was very permissive. Teachers I mean, are fucking their students now, so, I mean, yeah. people get, get away with way more stuff than they should. Uh, they don't uh, throw tampons in or in the shower, uh-huh. uh, but they do yell period, period, period over the shower, and then the gym teacher, Mr. Desjardins, uh, goes in and, you know, dries her off and calms her down. She says, you're not dying, because <laughs> It's like, am I dying? And they take her to the the principal's office, and the principal, once again, mortified by the talk of lady parts, oh God, oh God, what will we do? Talking of menstruation, it's so icky and weird. I'm like, you're in charge of a bunch of fucking women who are menstruating, so get the fuck over it. <laughs> like, uh, he keeps calling Carrie Cassie. At yeah, he doesn't seem to remember her name at any point. And he does it three times in rapid succession while she's actively. Well, she's present. Telling she's him in the room, right? Not just present. He says Cassie. She says Carrie right away. She is adjusting him every time, and he's just not paying any kind. Like I don't even understand. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. If you're in a room with somebody, especially if you're uncomfortable, and they. And you've said their names three times incorrectly. What? What is? Ha- are you having a stroke? <laughs> like, what is happening right now that you can't well, remember? And obviously. it's not like not Carrie is a weird name. No. Like that's the other thing. It's not like it's quote unquote foreign or anything like that. It's literally a normal ass name. Now her full name actually, I think, is Carrietta. Yeah, which is a weird which name. Which is a weird name, but that's not what we're talking about. So, at the the th- after the third time she yells her real name and then she pushes the desk basically. She pushes it like 5 inches to the right. <laughs> pushes this giant wooden desk with her bri- or with her mind. And then she leaves. She goes home and she's accosted by a young child who shouldn't be at school because she's been sent home early. I don't know why this kid is out of school. And he sees her walking, circles around her on her bike, and comes up next to her and yells, Creepy Carrie, at which point she flings him and his bike into a tree. In a really determined way. breaks his arm. It's great, because that kid needed to learn a lesson. <laughs> and if you think someone's creepy, don't fuck with them. What are you doing? And then Carrie gets home, and we see the indentation of, well, turns out, meteor. Right. In the This is when we get the meteor story in flashback. Then we get the flashback with my favorite piece of casting in this whole movie, which is young Carrie is played by Silent Hill. (laughs) Her name's not Silent Hill. Uh, Her name is Jodell Furland, plays little Carrie. Who, and she uh, was in Silent Hill, and she was in Tideland, and she's in Case 39. She plays a creepy little girl. And she she's very good at it. super well. And she, I believe her as a young Angela Bettis also. It's a good piece of casting with that. And she goes outside to her neighbor, who is sunbathing uh, topless on, like, in their front yard, which is pretty wild. And I'll tell you why it's wild in a second. Because... In and of itself, it wouldn't be, but then what happens right after it says, this is pretty wild. She goes next door, and the girl rolls over on her side and looks at her, and she says, what are those? And she points at her chest, and the girl, and who's like 16, 18, she's young, right. uh, are like, they're breasts. 
And Carrie says, I wish I had some. And she says, oh, you just have to wait a little while. I'm sure you're going to get them, and I'm sure they'll be really pretty. And she goes, no, I won't, because Mama says good girls don't get them. And she calls them dirty pillows. We remember dirty pillows, right, everyone? <laughs> that is a Stephen King thing. That right. is from the book. And at which time uh, Carrie's mom comes out of the house, and we finally see Patricia Clarkson for the first time, really. We saw her in profile earlier, yeah. but... We really see her now. So she is who is playing mom. Patricia Clark is great. You cannot go wrong hiring her. I feel like she wasn't here enough, though. I they wanted to see more of her. They didn't lean part. into her character. Right. And I think that's not Patricia Clarkson, though, because she could have done more. Yeah. But we no, don't no, I see think a that lot she of her. Was, she, that's what I mean. I don't yeah, mean yeah. to say that she didn't give enough to the part, because she underplayed it as opposed to our first actress who went way over the top, Laurie... Piper Laurie. Piper Laurie. Piper Laurie, who went way over the top. And uh, Patricia Clarkson seems to be kind of going under. Simmering. And making her kind of more menacing for the idea that y- there's a, there seems to be an immediate physical threat with, with Patricia Clarkson's yeah. uh, it's version of the character. Like, she's, I'm worried that she's going to hit Carrie all the time. Right. Uh, and she does at one point. But... So she comes out um, to get her ki- her daughter away from the daughter of the next door neighbor, uh, who calls she calls her a whore a whore woman something like that yeah I can't remember it was created to which the mother funny. of the neighbor says I've told you to stop calling my daughter that which means it's like a normal thing that comes out of her I wonder if that's just how he greets her hello whore woman yeah and that, then I can see that. she like pulls Carrie back inside and we hear Carrie and yell her yelling uh-huh. and. The, do- the next-door neighbor daughter says, I think, she, she said that I have breasts because I'm a slut. And her mom's like, oh, what? And I'm like, she literally just called your daughter a whore. I right. don't know why this is Why worse. is this shocking to you? And then... A whore I'll take, but a slut, never. We hear this back and forth yelling between Carrie and her mom, and this is when the meteors come. Uh-huh. And also when 30 people come out of their homes and, uh, and come across... Uh, come upon this, this house, is, which is why right. I'm like, why is the girl in her front yard when all these people are out and she's just topless in her front yard? <laughs> well, she's not lying on her back topless. No, but you but, go to your backyard yeah, and there are all these people out on the street. There's not a tall fence. Like You're just on display for the neighbors now and that's pretty gross. <laughs> I don't know. We used to live across the street from Bikini Mom, remember? It's not okay. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't okay for Bikini Mom either. I mean, I didn't mind. I just, I just, I don't understand. Did. I don't understand it when I think that that girl was underage. When you're right. 18, do whatever you want. Yeah. When you're 16, but this is a problem. What I liked about that scene, not the Bikini Girl part, was the fact that somebody hears the yelling and tries to intervene. And tries to intervene. Which yeah. is something that which is one of those areas where I felt like the update, it was, it is kind of fudged. I think it would be much more likely nowadays for a person just to call CPS. Because that would have been... In the 1970s, you it, didn't intervene much It would have been the early 90s. Right. So if this movie takes place in 2002, this scene would have taken place right. about 10 years earlier. And I think so. that that it was much more likely for a person just to call see, uh, child protective services right. or the police. Well, this is a they... small town in Maine because it's always a small town uh, in Maine, and yeah. I don't know that CPS is a thing. Like, right. I mean, it's obviously a thing, but I don't know if it's the because thing. Because there's so much that in the '70s was more excusable, where people did not get into each other's business. I guess that's right. To where after, a decade after satanic panic, that you're not going to report to the police if you think someone's screaming and being beaten by their parent. Yeah. So, then we find out the next day that Miss Desjardins, uh, she mocks all the girls about how much they're excited about going to prom this following uh, weekend, and maybe they should, should cancel class and they should just make boutonnieres for their boyfriends. Uh, and then she's like, psych, y'all are in detention. I wanted to ex- I wanted to do full suspension and um, deny- refusal of your prom ticket. Right. That's what I wanted to do. At which point, all of them freak out. And she goes, I was overruled. You have a week of detention, but it's my detention and I'm going to run you ragged, I think she says, something like that. Uh, at which point, Chris, you know, ever the bitch, is like, well, I'm just not going to do that. And she goes, okay, not going to detention. The, you'll get suspended for three days. 
and then your tickets and your prom tickets will be refused. So you choose. It's exactly the same, right? Like, be punished, right? Or this is what you're gonna get. And she just walks. She she thinks that she's gonna stage a coup, and they're all like, "No, fuck that. We're gonna go to prom." Well, and Sue she walks out. the anti coup. She's really big on that. She's not going to be play a part of this. That right. Uh, that well, uh, she's like, "You're being stupid." She's told you what your what the punishment's going to be, and that's not a punishment I'm going to deal with. Also, right. we fucked up, and should probably be right. punished. She feels some sort of sense of responsibility or guilt. What did you feel about Sue in this movie? You know, I got to say, I like this actress, but I don't know why because I don't feel she was very good in this. She was. sort of closed off in a way and I, I it didn't read guarded on purpose it read doesn't understand the motivations of the character so kind of just reads the lines and that's it I think that she and there was something there's a scene where she describes what she believes religion should be to that uh, was one of the lines so the, right. yeah there there are two lines that she says in the police station uh-huh. one is when because uh, the, the detective seems to think that Sue was in on this whole the whole plot against Carrie, uh, which I would actually probably believe too, because it was Tommy, her boyfriend, who takes her to prom. So you right. think that she'd be in on it, right? But she's not. She's not in on it. Uh, as far as we know, she doesn't know anything about it. Um, but yeah, she says, um, you know, if you say religion to me, it's just uh, it's the Last Supper, and I don't know what anybody in that painting is doing, but they all look bummed out, and that's not a party I want to go to. Um, it should be like dogs playing poker. Yeah. And I know the English Bulldogs holding an ace under the table, and I'm like, first of all, I have seen dogs playing poker maybe a, a zillion times, right? I, you see it all the time. I had no idea what any of those dogs are doing. So your attention is where your attention is. If dogs playing poker does it for you and The Last Supper doesn't, that's not because of The Last Supper versus dogs versus well, dogs playing poker. That felt like such a an accurate teenage, I figured it all out kind of answer. But it also seems like something that was written by a 35-year-old. I, it could be. I think that it was trying to capture the attitude of it. It definitely think, wasn't. That right. wasn't from the book. That's Brian Fuller right. that wrote that. And I feel like it did capture the attitude of, I've got this all figured out, which is a lot of times when you talk to teenagers, they really do seem to, at least to their mind, have something figured out that they don't have the least understanding of. Right. So that did feel like appropriately snarky, although I do feel that, as you're saying, it's too elegantly worded. It's. I mean, it's, yeah. It's too clever. For a high schooler. Right. Put her in sophomore year in college, and I'd believe it yeah. for whatever reason. Maybe because she hasn't gone through intro to whatever yet, right? You know, um, but yeah, it didn't feel like a high schooler's response. No, I think the the like the attitude was right, but the the phrasing was right. just no. It would, would be a dumber explanation. And I'm like, if you asked this girl in Maine uh-huh. about dogs playing poker in 2002, and she knew what it was, I would be fucking floored. I'm sorry, what teenager knows what that even is? You know, I don't know anymore. I, I, I just took it as something that was off. And I'm not even sure that there, there's more than one dog's playing poker. I'm, I probably, I don't. It's not in my... Why don't you think about this I, one? Because I don't care. Okay. Uh, wow. The other thing that she says uh, when asked if she's close with Chris, she's like, no, there's, we're not, we're different. Uh-huh. And then how are we, how are you different? David Keith says, and... She says something about something like, I'm a front to back and she's a back to front. Yeah. And I was like, is that referencing Yeah. <laughs> potty behavior? <laughs> Which is like and that also is Brian Fuller. That is not in the book. That that um and there's a Again, that's very clever because there's an implication there. Of course there is, yeah. That somebody doesn't know what they're doing and is likely to hurt themselves uh, by doing it wrong. But, um, and that's very clever. But again, yes, it felt a little, you know, someone... It, it also feels like something that a teenage girl wouldn't say to a full-grown man. No, not to a man, no. I think there was a, there, there's an element of almost David Mamet smart level yes. smarkiness. smarkiness In that, that line, I was like... Did she just fucking say that? Right. <laughs> yes, yes, she did. So Sue has decided, though, that she is going to make Tommy take her 
take Carrie to prom. She knows that Carrie has a crush on Tommy because everybody knows Carrie has a crush on Tommy. Well, because, yeah, and she even gets called on it earlier in the film. Yes, and Tommy throws a book at a kid's face and it's With very satisfying. Skill. It's yes. so good. Yeah, they're in the library and one of these kids is like, Tommy, she wants you to see, help her see God and then he's mimicking an orgasm because right. he's a an asshole child and Tommy picks up a book and chucks it at his face and hits him in the face with it and I was like, that's all. A, that's awesome. B, the librarian would have a significant problem with what is happening right now. He's he was also that kid was so loud. Right. How is that librarian not like? Uh, okay, here's, shut here's the fuck my question. Up. Um, how did these girls dress this way? Which way? I I think some of the girls were basically. Oh, in this scene, there were no girls. No, it was no, just no. Her. I, I'm talking about in general in the film. Oh, okay. The way that the girls dress around school, I would imagine that somebody would just go, "Wait a second, could you put some more clothes on, or could you?" Um, there There's weren't a, a lot of. When maybe I was I'm just in reaching school, that age now where I'm like, oh my God, put some clothes on. When I was in high school, uh-huh. from 94 to 98, there weren't a lot of rules. Okay. There are more and more and more now. Okay. But um, dress codes were not a thing then. Now, yeah, cover your shoulders because the guys are getting hard-ons and can't fucking Well, no, it was, there was a lot so of bare stupid. midriffs and a lot of kind of like... Yeah, that's less allowed now. It wasn't a problem when I was okay. in school. And I was I, again, I'm not on the side of, of covering people up, but... no. It just seemed to me a, a surprise going... Oh, we should watch Clueless again, I say, for the second week in a row, maybe. Um, and you should see what they're wearing in that. So, <laughs> uh, And that's 96, so uh-huh. it's earlier. But, yeah, no, bare mirror dress are not an, were not an issue. They're an issue now, uh-huh. because now we're really policing girls' bodies, like, a lot. But then it wasn't, wasn't an issue. Uh, that's an interesting question. Now I feel bad about myself. No, it's Am I policing somebody else's body about what's appropriate and what's not appropriate for a girl that age to wear? I just, as long as your bits are covered, I don't think that... I, and the thing is, the reason I have an issue with it is uh, because more often than not, girls are sent home for the day, uh, thereby losing an entire day of education because they might distract a boy. Fuck that. I, I was out with a friend in... Uh, at a antique store, uh-huh. and there's a basement, and it's in Alameda, so it's fairly close to the, the ocean. It was during the summer, and as we were there, we both got startled because there were two teenage girls walking around in their bikinis. Mm-hmm. They just walked off the beach, and it was just weird because seeing them in the context of not the beach, right? Not the <laughs> yeah. beach. It was just sort of startling, and I remember at the time just being thinking, "Oh, I've gotten to the age now where it's oh my god, put some clothes put on." Some clothes where on, I, yeah. you know, when I was a teenage boy, it's like no, that would have been the yes, the the, the, and the highlight of my month. Can I give you a tip? Can right. I buy you a soda? Can I do right. something for you? Because but, you have done something for me. Right. But yeah, now I've reached the age where I'm like, oh, good Lord. So I, I, I might be speaking strictly as a, a nearly 51-year-old fogey. Yeah, that's probably right. Thank um, you. You don't have to agree with the fogey part. <laughs> no, Thank but they're, they're not. They're bare midriffs, but they're totally covered. They're wearing crop yeah, tops just, and yeah. high-waisted pants. And again, you're and, also talking to a person who went to a private school. Right. So... Um, yeah, but I yeah, so I'm very anti Policing. dress codes um, because more often than not they're punitive towards girls right. because because the patriarchy that's why. So um, Tommy agrees with Sue or, or agrees. I guess Sue later in the when they're setting up for the prom uh-huh. says he's become very agreeable since we've started having sex. Right. You don't ever see them together like that, but that's clearly why Tommy is doing this. So Tommy said, uh, asks uh, Carrie to go with him, and she is very clear-eyed about what's happening. Yes, I did like that better. I think, yes, is that we're able to? T- she's able to at some points answer her mother back. Yes, at other points she is uh, when Tommy approaches her. She is very suspicious. Yeah, she's like, why Why can't you guys just leave me alone? Right. Like, I'm just trying to fucking get through this. Why can't? Yeah. Why do you want to make fun of me? She seems to be a little bit more self-aware than Sissy Spacex. Yes, although she's overly critical of herself. Like, uh-huh. uh, at the dance, Miss Desjardins says, you look amazing. And she goes, that's very nice of you to say. I know it's not true, but it's very nice of you to say. Because women can't take a compliment, right. and certainly this girl can't. Right. Um, well, and she, and she's told to. by the, she's like, take the compliments, which is pretty good. But yeah, she's like, Tommy, you don't like me. I, mm-hmm. 
Sue's your girlfriend. Like, right. what? This is what are you talking about? And she says, I do want to say yes. And he goes, and 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 Tommy's not lying to her either. He doesn't lie to her. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, I think that you're interesting and different than these other girls, and not in a bad way. Right. Uh, I also, you know, Sue. Kind of wants to see the look on Chris's face when she finds out you're right, going to prom, exactly. and that was really, she isn't. And I think that was a, actually a good move because it puts it out front. It's, it's all, true. Well, we know we all know what we're in this for, right? And why shouldn't you get to go to prom? Like, like why? Why don't? Why wouldn't you be allowed to do that? Why wouldn't you get to do that? Right. Uh, so she says yes, and you know tells her mom and. Mom's like, uh, no. And she goes, mm, but yes, actually. And also, which dress should I make? And then the dresses yeah. are not a fan, like her mom's not a fan of either of the patterns that she has purchased. But she picks one and she makes her own dress, which in like a week. Goddamn. Well, she has nothing else to do other than pray in her closet. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And then we see Carrie sometimes trying to move a hairbrush. And by the way... Um this is actually uh, what I did appreciate about this is that it's an actual crucifix. Last time we were in Brian De Palma's film, he did some weird conglomeration of Jesus and Saint Stephen. So it's uh-huh. like I don't know what's in that closet or why it's so weird. Oh, in, in the closet. Okay, right. I'm like, in the prayer closet. Oh, okay. In this one, she seems to actually be. Yes, I really I couldn't that. see. It was too dark for me to see what was happening in there. It's so. this film has. What the, one of the big differences that we're going to see, and even going back to the next version of it, is that this was very clearly a television production. Yeah. And so the end result is yes, there are scenes that are too dark to see. Yeah. There are. There's a lot of weird. Kind and of, our TV is on the fritz, and I do not have the funds to make a new one or to get a new one. So there's a lot of coy nudity. Yeah. In the film, which I think the shower scene, frankly, in this one was a lot better handled than the stroke book wet dream that was in the beginning yeah, of the first Yeah, no, film, it definitely did yeah. It, this was basically designed for teenage boys. Um, so Well, it wasn't. It was designed for the fucking filmmaker and his buddies. Right. Literally. <laughs> Who basically behave like teenage boys. But, I mean, the uh, I really appreciate that much better, the fact that it was also very female-oriented. This is not about... The boys and their feelings. Yeah. John Travolta and William Catt played a much bigger part in that version of Carrie. Yeah. Than the boys did in this one. No. Yeah. You get almost none of Billy. Right. Like he's got yeah. four lines in this whole thing. I think. Like it's, you get it's almost very, none. It's a little bit strange because he plays such an important part. To but. Uh, it was an even. It was unclear to me that he was even a student at the school. Yeah, I didn't. I, I assumed that he was some older psychopath that's kid who was hanging. Kind of what I thought too. Like and dating an underage girl, getting getting like. stoned with with the, yes yeah. the hot the hot teenager. Um, so, the day of the prom, Tina gets the ballots, and switches them. They have gone to get the pig blood from the farm up up the road a bit and they have been caught on camera doing that and the three it's three uh-huh. of them uh it's chris and billy and i think the other guy's name is jesse which is the very stephen king typically jackie. heavy set kid with uh, yeah you know. it's jackie so the only time we really see him is when he's in the police station being grilled by david keith saying i uh, <laughs> What did he say? He said something, and he goes, because David Keith is giving him a hard time, and he goes, my parents died when they were, when I was six. And right. how, you don't feel so good now, does it? And he goes, oh, that's weird, because I just talked to Jackie Sr. and Judith or whatever an hour ago, and they seem fine. <laughs> and I'm like, why would you lie to the cops about the death but of your parents? That also seems like, a very teenage thing, so like he's trying to score one or something. Like, He's gonna know you're lying. Right. If he doesn't know right now, he'll know in five minutes. I don't. What do you? So idiot. weird. Uh, and then we see sort of preparation the night of. So Carrie's got her dress on. Her mom. Her mom says, "Take it off. We'll burn it together, and we'll pray." And she goes, "No." And she pushes her mom out of the room in a really. I, this is probably one of my favorite parts. Uh-huh. Where her mom grabs the door. Oh, yes, that was great. And Carrie is in control and not in control and says, Watch your fingers. 
as she flings the door she, shut. So she doesn't yeah. want to hurt her mom, right. but she knows that she's capable of yeah. doing more damage than, you know, has done. And uh, I thought that was really, that was, an, that was an interesting yeah. line where I was like, oh, look at her, like, trying to safeguard people. Yeah. Now, this is different from the meteorite shower or any of the other things that we've seen do, uh, her do because it seems like she's done research over the internet. Yes, she is also, yes, there are internet scenes from 2002 where it's just her face in the light of the internet, while she, or, or of the computer screen while she clicks on links about telekinesis. Right. <laughs> Look out, Carrie, the internet is a dangerous place. And at one point she's called somebody to explain what has happened, but we don't know who she's talking to ever. She hangs up because Chris catches her. She's like, I was talking to my mom, and Chris is like, it didn't sound like your mom. Then yeah. she also says she, that she looks bloated. I'm like, what a bitch. <laughs> um, and also we see at Billy's house, Jackie is there to pick them up to get ready, like to go, and they're both laying there in bed, They've clearly had sex and smoked weed because they're right. both. There's a long pause. It's like thirty seconds of just them staring at the ceiling while Jackie's outside waiting for them. Say and they don't say anything. I'm like they're stoned as hell. At which point Chris goes, "Maybe this is a bad idea," and Billy's like, "No, we're doing it." But also, run when it happens and don't fucking say my name because this is criminal assault. Right. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, I don't think this kid's in high school. Or if he is, he's definitely been held back because he's an adult and knows he will be tried as an adult. <laughs> he, yeah, I don't... Well, that's the sense I got. The sense I got is that he is basically, you know, scoping out the, the t- hot teenage girls. Yeah. And this is what he got. And he has it's some cool sort of weird James stays, Dean thing going on. He keeps on. getting older and they keep staying the uh-huh. same age. Yeah. Uh, so they get there. She gets into the prom. Tommy picks her up finally, and as she's going to leave, the whole house, she goes, like, the ceiling collapses. Like, everything, there's just all those crashing noises. Right. And he, and he jokes, did your ceiling fall in? And she goes, yeah, my ceiling fell in. And then he goes, can I see? And she goes, no. And then she goes outside. This and was fun because it was like, it, that was comical. The exchange that she has, and she plays it really well, where, no, you can't come in. No, you can't come in. I'm coming out. And then he gives her a corsage. Now, my question is, what the fuck happened? I think that was all the furniture in the house. If you see through the background of the doorway, it all, when but she why? talks to him, uh-huh. it all starts to float. Oh, okay. And she's distracted and like her, she can't gotcha. contain this energy. And then it all sort of drops. Okay. Right. Because I, I wondered if mom might have some powers. Uh, I think mom would have done something about that. See, that's what I was wondering if she, that was her attempt, her mom's sort of subdued attempts to keep her from going out. That's why I was. It was. It was just weird. But she goes out. They go. They get to the prom. Uh, her she's complimented on her dress. Right. And the dressmaking skills. One of the girls goes, "Where'd you get your dress?" She says, "I made it." The girl goes, "Shut up." She goes, "You shut up." <laughs> Which and was, then she yeah. and the girl like takes it and was like, oh, she doesn't realize that I'm I'm fucking with her and right. takes she takes it in stride but and she goes, you look great and then she goes, your ass looks great <laughs> like she has this whole thing, and uh, it's very nice and then Mr. Desjardins comes over and compliments her and um and then tells Tommy if you like I will have you expelled if you show Carrie any less than the best night of her life like. Right. And ask her to dance, but only a slow song because she'll look stupid. Yes, she's completely controlling her experience in a really positive way. And then she has a very cringy fucking conversation with Carrie. About that one was difficult to take because there was like okay, <laughs> what she was saying generally generally was true, but the way that she, what she was focusing on was the Rita Sofer, the actress who plays uh, Mr. Jardine, mm-hmm. is. Crazy gorgeous. So when she makes these comments, well, the girls that you see now, well, the skinny yeah. girls will be fat, and the fat girls will be skinny, and 
Yeah, and they'll have beer bellies. They'll all be. And I'm just like, why so is everything about appearance focused? Yes, it's so appearance focused. Uh, and it's coming from gross. a beautiful person, it seems really disingenuous. Like, oh yeah, you were ever the ugly ducky, right? Right. It, it just it makes it seem kind of weird. Yeah, some of the uh, bad girls will be thin. Like, oh well, then they'll have worth. Like, it, it's really. It's it's cringy. It's yeah. it's not good. It's, it's it should have been thought over. Two thousand and two right. and should not have come to two thousand and twenty. It like. should have been thought over before it was put out there. Because but it's exactly what every that right. this was the conversations at the time. So yeah, I guess so. But yeah, it, it's rough though. It's real rough. And then, of course. They get the ballots. They see uh, themselves on there. She doesn't want, want to vote for herself, but they do it anyways. And he does dance with her nicely. He goes, it doesn't take any skill. <laughs> and, and that's what gets her onto the dance floor, which I thought was pretty cute. Um, As a person who wound up at a wedding dancing to YMCA, um, yeah, well, I would have wished somebody would have guided me through that experience. It's really, YMCA is easy. YMCA has... Like letters? Yes. I don't know what those letters are. Y M C A. But I don't know how to do the like acrobatics involved. You don't know why is you just literally just put your hands above your head. It's not. It's nothing more than that. And the M is this. I see. I didn't know what Touch the M head. was. Touch my head. Touch your head. Why? I'm not supposed to do M. now in the, the age of Corona. Yes. No. Don't touch your face. Uh, they win. They go up there. This is thirty. And I I clocked it. I was uh-huh. like, okay, how far from the end is this? Thirty minutes from the end. The school song plays. Uh, we have see, just seen a sort of dream sequence of them dancing together and it's lovely, but uh-huh. then we flush back and that's not what has happened. Chris pulls the cord and doesn't run, even though she was fucking told to, because she can't just do what she's told. And Carrie is covered in six metric tons of... <laughs> But. That went on and on and on and on. Yeah, just so much blood, and nobody understands what's happening. And then, of course, the thing comes down, hits Tommy in the head, and appears to kill him immediately. Right, he seems dead. He's like our, the first casualty. Yeah. Uh, and then just thirty minutes of sh- just explosions, and I don't like the way that Carrie it is filmed. Is apocalyptic. Yes. There is a weird kind of free jazz going on oh, in the, the background. the music and this is a whole other thing. <laughs> the music and this whole right. thing is so wild. But, um, yeah, it's this weird, bright, jazzy sounds, which is not, doesn't match what we're seeing. It does not feel like what we're seeing in the story. Uh, it also the I didn't like the way that Brian De Palma did. I'm looking forward to the third version to see if somebody gets this right. I didn't like the way that Brian De Palma used a split screen yeah. to show the damage. I, I think that it lessened the impact of it because I, I didn't know where to look. I could see that, but I I don't hate that. I Good. I like that better than this. I still Yeah, this, this is good. not any better. It's not staged as well. I think there's a lot of missing potential every time I see this scene done. Yeah. Um, she seems to be in shock, so she's not commanding it the way that right. Susie Spacek seems right. to be. She seems to just, she seems to have completely left, her consciousness is right. not there anymore, and she just stands stock still while all of this is happening around right. her, which is not that effective, and visually it's not that effective. No, it isn't. Um, uh, some of the kids get through, out through a great, Chris and Billy are able to get out of the gym. Miss um, Desjardins tells everybody to get off the ground because now there's water right. and then there's sparks. And she is hanging from the vent, trying not to touch the ground as everybody, uh, as the final sort of um, wave goes and through. That and everybody left dies. The, the whole. Uh, the whole electrical scene where people electri- you know, electrocuted yeah, by the water, it looks more not, like they suddenly all start twerking and they fall over. It was yeah, just not yeah, well done. Not great. And then Carrie wa- is walking home, and then we are seeing the whole fucking town just burning as she goes. Right. Uh, Chris and Billy see Carrie walking, and Billy tries to run her down in his truck, and she, like... It stops in front of her like she's got a force field. Right. And then very much like the little boy on the bike earlier, she like flings them into a tree. 
presumably and, yeah. killing them into a pole. But well, the land, the cart lands upside down, so yes, they're dead. You know, there, there's no coming back from that. Yeah, she gets home. She gets into the bathtub, which has been drawn, which uh-huh. is so convenient. Uh, she snaps back, and she can't remember what happened. She's asking, you know, what happened? What happened? What happened? And Margaret comes in and says that you are a witch. I shall not suffer you to live. And she drowns her. While she's drowning her, while she's under the water, um, Carrie stops her mom's heart. And we see inside of Patricia Clarkson's chest. This is a very psychic assassin kind of thing yes. going on. It's really weird. Which is exactly, I mean... Yeah, that's what you do, right? Psychic assassin. You'll never know. I'm stopping hearts all over the place. I've got a list. Y'all, I've got a list. It's not a long list. You have know you know some of the people on it, though. I think I do. Uh, and then Sue comes in. I don't even know how Sue knows where Carrie lives. I guess everybody knows where Carrie lives because she's a weirdo. The creepy house where all the meteorites fell. Yeah, right. So that that makes sense. And pulls her out of the bathtub, and she's been under the water for a while. She's she looks very dead, and Sue gives her mouth to mouth, but doesn't give her, um, doesn't do CPR. Pulls okay. CPR. She gives her mouth to mouth, and then she wakes up. And Sue's like, um, why don't we just say you died? Because it's not good for you. you got to get out of here. Right. And they drive away. She's got a couple of visions. Um, and Sue's like, it's okay. Do you want to keep going? And, and Carrie says yes. And Sue's going to drive her to Florida. Now, that's how it ends. And then we don't know when the investigation is taking place. It's after this, presumably, but we don't know how long after this. Okay. When Sue is back in Maine g- talking to the police. But she's like, no, I don't know. I, I never, I didn't see. I haven't seen her. I haven't seen her. I don't know. She's a liar. This was going to be a pilot. They were going to do a TV show. The Adventures of Sue and Carrie. I mean, honestly, Sue would have had to be recast. I think really? because I just don't. She just wasn't. She seemed so vacant. Well, she seemed very flippant about everything that happened. I, I, and I agree and with I you. I really do feel like it's... Because we start the story with the idea that her boyfriend was murdered yeah. by these other two people. And there's no indication of that. Like, I'm no, heartbroken she doesn't that my seem sad. Murdered. Not just her boyfriend. Right. Of, of her senior class, over half of them are dead. Yeah, but right? I mean, the idea and that the person closest like... to her and her best friend turned into a psychopath and she's dead as well. And the person who killed everyone, except for her boyfriend is now her buddy and they're doing a road trip together. Yeah, it's... It, it was a very weird premise. I'm not sure that... Because I, I bought Amy Irving's character more because I could see her emotional trip through the story. Yeah, I just... I didn't get any emotion from this Sue, Aunt Candace is her mm-hmm. real name, I guess. And um, I just don't... I don't know if she didn't know what the motivation was or if she couldn't tap into it or what... Or if she's a complete sociopath and none of this mattered to her, which w- uh, that would be wild. Right. That would be a wild choice for them to have made, but I don't. I don't think so. So that was a that was my big problem with that was I think that Sue was not well cast. I also wish missed William Cat's hair, but that's just there was an extra in do? the background of the prom scene that had William Cat hair. Oh. Oh, yay, what a... It's and a I thought that lunch. was an Easter egg for us. You know, it's Maybe. like, oh, well, somebody still has that hair. So, I don't know that I would recommend watching this. I think there's an outstanding couple of performances. That's Angela Bettis and Patricia Clarkson. David yeah. Keith is actually very good, too. Yeah. Um, Although that weird, creepy drug conversation at the beginning, William, will put you right. off. And there's some of the good performances by the, young, by the rest of the young cast as well. Uh, Catherine Isabel, I really would have liked to have seen her places now. Oh yeah, that would have been interesting. Because she instead could do of just stuff like Tina, that. the sneering, obnoxious person. Right. That was she was underused in that part. I think that it had the limitations of being a television production. There were still some very good choices. There were some scenes that worked out really well. But on the whole, it's not successful because it's veering away from the story and trying to retell it to another purpose. Yeah. And I think that's the problem, is that you're trying to tell, it's like, well, but we want to use this as a way of of um, 
starting a new kind of story. So yeah, I think maybe it's maybe it's not a Candace McClure's fault. No, I don't think there was a way to turn Sue into Sue into this character without making some major uh, jumps in her character. Yeah. Oh, so we've got a third co-host all of a sudden. Do you have something to say, ma'am? It's a very happy cat. <laughs> I guess. And, uh, yeah, so, I, like I said, I watched it twice. Uh-huh. I think Angela Bettis is very watchable. She's very good. Right. Uh, Patricia Clarkson, you can't go wrong with that. But I just wish she had, had more time on screen. There was just, yeah, the, the number of the characters who get screen time on here is very puzzling at times. If you yeah, to, what they chose to right. spend time on and what they chose not to spend time on is interesting. It, it's a 211-minute runtime. This was actually where it aired over two yeah. nights. Uh, and I don't know if they picked the best 211 minutes to show. No. I, I feel like they, picked, they kind of dropped it. Like, I, I don't... I understand that the climax is uh-huh. the carnage at the prom. But I actually don't think it needs to be a half an hour of a two-hour well, Also, thing. I think that there was an overuse of special effects. And this is something we've talked about before. Don't use special effects that you don't have the technology to realize fully or you don't have the budget to realize fully. So if you had spent less time showing rocks fall from the sky yeah, and more time on Carrie and her relationship to her mom, also, I think that would have worked a lot better for me. The, the choice of deaths. Uh-huh. Susan lives originally, but I believe Miss Desjardins dies and is yes. killed on purpose. Like Carrie, in at least in the seven, 1976 she version goes, of the film, right. she does it on purpose. Yeah. And the fact that in this version she seems to have disassociated and has no agency into what's happening, uh-huh. I think that's a problem. Problematic for you. And then the fact that this woman survives is also kind of a problem for me. Well, it seems like she survives by her own wits rather than because Carrie's trying to save her. Right, because Carrie's not in control doing of it all. Any right. of, that's the other thing, is don't take the agency of Carrie away from her. Uh-huh. Like, I, I think that that's not ideal. Right. Uh, I, I kind of would like to see, I don't know, a version where maybe she's Starts it and then can't stop it, or something like that. Well, we still have another version to go. Yeah, because I think that might be more effective. But I do think that 15 minutes of that carnage could have gone to. There's an overhead shot in here, mm-hmm. which is not particularly well realized. It's very obviously CGI'd. That shows the entire town in flames. Oh, yeah. And wrecked as she's just walking down the street. Uh, and. I think that, to me, that was just overdoing it. She destroys the entire town. But that happens in the book, though. Yeah, like, but... as she's walking, fire is happening. Right. But I'd like to see that. Like, maybe in a different way. Maybe the fire hydrants start, start, just explode next to her. Or the, the manhole covers explode under, as she walks past them or something like that. Not just random fires bursting out. Because for what? For why? We've had no indication before this. She's pyrokinetic. That's another movie for Stephen King. Right. Um, um, which means that she's just, because you can, she starts fires right. with what's there, but she's not making fire. Well, so we discussed this before when we discussed the first carry. There was an uh, unofficial sequel that Brian De Palma directed in 1978 called The Fury uh, with Amy Irving. Yeah. Uh, playing a different character, yeah. but it was about, um, and it's very Stephen King-like in that it's telepathic or psychokinetic children who are taken by a secret government agency and run by John Cassavetes and Kirk Douglas is trying to rescue them. It's really bizarre. It seems to, with a larger budget maybe than they had for Carrie, it seems to carry out some of the ideas that you're talking about. There's a scene with Andrew Stevens walking along a boardwalk and all the lights on the boardwalk are fizzing and popping and exploding as he's walking by them. And I think that was a better realization. No one seems to have done that since which is a pity because it is a really good idea. Yeah. We certainly didn't see it here. Here it just became almost like I was watching uh, X-Men or something. Yeah. 
but but with no mind behind it. Yeah. Because she's blacked out. Right. Which I just yeah that bumps me out a little bit. So that's how I feel. How do you feel? Do you feel about the I, same? I, I, I liked it. I liked it, but there were parts that just completely failed for me. It was very much like watching uh, the very strange remake of Halloween that Rob Zombie did. I like that. I like but that maybe there was not better than the original. There was so much time <laughs> devoted to the childhood, Michael Myers' childhood, that when it got to the scenes that we're expecting from Halloween, it was like they rushed through it the last half yeah, hour. Yeah, I, I could see that. And so it became Michael's story rather than Laurie's story. And so... Well, that was the point. Right, I know, but yeah. it's the story of the killer rather than the survivor, so I'm a little less sympathetic. Right, no, of course. Because it's like, I don't As care if he be. dies. Right. I, I really want Laurie to survive. Uh, she does. She does. Yeah, she does. <laughs> Rob didn't kill her. <laughs> All right. Spoiler alert, but there is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, in the meantime, so if you did want to, I mean, if you're a completist, watch it. It's on Netflix. It's not bad. No. It suffers by comparison. But there are cringiness in it, right. too, where there's you're just moments like, that don't work this as well. It's 2002, and it needs to stay in 2002. Right. Uh, yeah. 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 But it is satisfying to watch Tommy being that kid with the book at the beginning, so... I That's fucking watched it twice today. I was like, let me see that again. <laughs> now, you were watching it where again? On Netflix. Okay. Because we Netflix recorded it from well. television. It turns out there was a, a It was Netflix also on cut. Netflix, yeah. So it, it is currently on Netflix. But mm, who knows when. All right. Do you have anything to recommend to our interred listeners? Strangely, no. I, I, I can't I think of possible. something. Because uh, I haven't gone out and seen anything new. The things I've seen are stuff I've appreciated for years. That's fine. So Do I, that then. I Give haven't... people new things that they may not have seen before. Oh, or the... old things that they may not have seen. <laughs> but uh, I think the most recent thing I saw, I can't... Literally yeah, I saw a film called Don't Look Now Again. Oh, okay. Which is a film based on the book by Daphne du Maurier, or the story. Who also wrote the birds and Rebecca? And Rebecca, I didn't know she wrote the birds. Yeah, um, and she—it's uh, a very—I'm not sure how to prepare people for it. You can't really. It takes place in Venice, yeah. It takes place in Venice, and, and it's got it, Donald Sutherland. Donald Sutherland and Julie Christie. He's got who, beautiful hairs. Who we saw in uh, Heaven Could Wait. Yeah. And uh, they're playing a married couple who's trying to put their lives together after the death of their son. And it's very melancholy. There is a very explicit love scene in the middle of the film, but it's not gratuitous because it's showing these two people... Coming back together. ...trying to reconnect yeah. after a real horrible tragedy. Yeah. Uh, and there are surprises and shocks in this film. Don't. Just go look, watch it's, it. It's, it's a horror film. It's a horror film. And that's what I want to warn you about because you're like, oh, how sad and touching. Ah! <laughs> you know, and then something happens. You don't want to see it. But yes, it is. As a... If, if you... This is actually a very good movie. It, it is, is. But as a person who came to it late, uh, I think it's more funny than scary. How do you mean? I don't want to get into the details, oh, okay. but I'm just saying, if you've seen a lot of horror in the year 2020 and you've uh, never seen Don't Look Now, you might think that certain things in it are more funny than scary. Well, there's some intentionally funny things. Yes, that's true. And there's a lot of that. That's a, a part of the, the whole kind of element of the story is that, yeah. yeah, they're trying to, and they make a lot of mistakes and trying to reconnect that are pretty funny. So what would you recommend? Okay, so I'm... I'm binging things on Netflix because it's uh, that's what we do now. Um, I'm on the Tiger King train. I'm gonna uh, ride that train okay. forever. I think everybody should watch it. It's bananas. Uh, it's bananas. So that's a, a it was a perfectly serviceable way to spend six hours of my life. Okay. <laughs> I watched it all in one day, uh, and I just finished, or I'm finishing actually as we speak. Unbelievable, also on Netflix. Now, that is a miniseries about a serial rapist. So, Ooh. it's uh, if if you need light, fluffy stuff, I've also been binging Great British Bake Off when I couldn't watch stuff about rape. I get it. Do that. Do that. <laughs> By all means, do that. But uh, Unbelievable is very good. Merritt Weaver um, is a treasure. 
and I might have to watch Nurse Jackie, a show I had literally no interest in because she won Emmys for it, and I, I think she's so watchable, and Toni Collette's in it as well. Those okay. two combined are fantastic. I'm in the last, I'm, I'm half an hour from the end of the whole thing, so hopefully I like the way it ends. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, I'm enjoying that very much. That's what I'm watching. I'm three episodes behind on Outlander. Right. (laughs) Like, it's just whatever I feel like I can look at is what I look at. And so it varies from day to day. Like I said, I watched like six hours of Great British Bake Off yesterday and four hours of Unbelievable Today. So whatever my brain will handle is what I give it. (laughs) And I think that's just the guidelines that I have to keep for myself. Do you have anything else? No, I... I don't. Next week. Next week we are watching... Dreamcatcher. Dreamcatcher. <sighs> okay. Butt I'm aliens. Gonna, I'm going to steal myself for this movie. There are I, butt aliens in this movie. I actually was... I was had this book read to me and I stopped when it came to that scene because... Butt aliens. <laughs> I have an issue with uh, germs. So you can cover your face for some of it. You Thank don't need you. to look at it. Well, I, I like the term, and I've used the term since then, that he uses in the book, shit weasel. Shit weasel. Because that's a perfect description for some people I've met, you know, the, yep. the, uh, the human resources guy at one of my jobs. Perfect description of it. Honestly, half of the, half of the cast of Tiger King, <laughs> if we're being real about it. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, this, I like this book. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead, say what you think. A lot of people don't like this book, and he was on a lot of drugs when he was writing this book. It's going to be a rough one, y'all. Well, but it's got Jason Lee in it. Who doesn't love Jason Lee? What I, I think is... It's, as and I Thomas was, Jane, very mm. wooden in this role, though, if I will. All right, if you have thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, you can email us at latecomerspod at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at latecomerspod. Or you can find us on Facebook, Latecomers Podcast. Put it in the search bar. I remind you to take your medicine, and we remind you better, better late, late than, than never. never.